we go. My name's Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 559. Turns out this is the second part of a two-part series um, of managing screen time. Last week, we talked about the Eightfold Path, uh-huh. and we went over the first four, uh-huh. and today we're going over the last four. Correct. Um, so if you didn't listen to last week's episode, I think it's one of those things where it's going to make a lot more sense if you listen to last week instead of just jump into this one. So podcast 558 was last week. 559 is the one you're listening to right now. So go back if this interests you and listen to uh, part one and then continue on with part two right now. Um, so to kind of summarize what we discussed um, was that we were talking about how to manage screen time, which is a question that Todd and I get probably every time we talk <laughs> with parents. I mean, and and I'm saying it because, you know, not to make fun of any parents who ask the question because it's a valid question, but because there are no simple answers and that a lot of times it'll be like after like Todd and I, and again, it's been a while since we've given in-person presentations because of COVID, but People would stand in line and say, okay, well, I have a quick question. How do I get my son off of his video game when it's time for dinner? And we're like, okay. How, that much, is, ta- how much time you got? Right. That is, first of all, it's very personal. It's got a lot to do with your, your, the way you talk with your son. It's got a lot to do with what he's playing, how old he is, what time of day it is. There's all these pieces that make it almost impossible to answer that question in a way that I think is, um, responsible. Because I know that there's a lot of, I love, there are certain books that I love, like we talked, you know, last week about Devorah Heitner's book called Screenwise, and I like Daniel Siegel's work around screen time. And, you know, I'm not saying that people who give you advice are not being responsible. What I'm saying is that they're giving you general information. They're not coming to you and saying, oh, with your son, do A, B, and C. Everyone's trying to provide kind of a framework so you can view this through, you can almost, see that screen time is just the new challenging topic. Yeah. It's the new sex ed. It's yeah. the new um, drugs and alcohol. It's the new, you know, it's like this topic that we, and and there are just like sex ed and drugs and alcohol, there are um, consequences to reacting and to not reacting. So what Todd and I are talking about is, like he said, the Eightfold Path, which is a Buddhist organizing principle or Buddhist Buddhist organizing framework. foundation framework. Thank you. He keeps giving me the right word because I keep losing it. <laughs> um, and that we can look at this through a new lens, okay? So, so before we summarize yeah, what we did on last week's podcast, we'll just give the first four. Um, why listen to Zen Parenting and Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And I always remember our motto is the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. Uh, a few things. Team Zen, love to have you. 25 bucks a month. Uh, we're about to do our 100th Zen Talk. When you sign up, you get all Zen Talks for free. You can download them. And then, but the main part is a Zen talk is when you guys jump on live with us. It's a live podcast. You guys ask questions. We support each other. We give you our two cents on how best to approach it. Um, and that's one of many things you get from being in the, uh, the team and you just uh, support us. And so. that discussion becomes, it goes into your podcast app. Sure. So like we tape the discussion and then it becomes a podcast for you. So it's really kind of simple. And you could also watch it on a uh, video too. We mm-hmm. actually record them on video. So, and then the other thing is a tribe men's group. We have a, a virtual call this evening for any men who are struggling with separation or divorce. We have a monthly se- um, call on that. So that's tonight. 
and we have uh, our every Wednesday weekly virtual call. So check us out at tribemensgroup.org. I love that you have a tribe group for separation and divorce. Yeah. And so when you say you have a group, like you guys have a call every month? It's a, it's a Zoom call. Zoom call, okay. Uh, led by Mike Rosen, okay. who is divorced. Uh-huh. Um, there's a few guys that have come out clean and have a wonderful, amicable divorce. And there's other guys who are struggling right now. They don't know if they're just having relationship issues or they're going through a trial separation. I mean, it's all over the board. But usually there's anywhere between five to ten guys that get on That's the wonderful. call. And, you know, we don't really, as guys, we just don't get an opportunity to talk about this stuff. So, and most of the things that the tribe men's group offers is free. And this is one of those things. There's a few things that we do where we charge money, but uh, most everything we do is free. So check us out. If uh, if there's any ladies out there, get on our email list so you can be familiar with it as well, um, just so you can point uh, us in the direction of any guys in your life that might be willing to step into this place that we think is helpful and beneficial. So wonderful. So what were the first four last week? Um, so one thing that I want to like start with, because we started with this last time is that when we talk about how to talk to your kids about screen time or how to have a better understanding of screen time, we said that this advice that we give is always overtly welcomed, but covertly rejected. And Todd and I kind of went deep into this last time, but basically it means that everybody is always asking these questions. They're so open to, you know, they're like, tell me what to do, tell me what to do. And then when we start talking about self-awareness and a start and this the issues on this eightfold path they're like oh i'm not gonna do that or they or they'll be like well you don't understand my you don't son. understand mine mm-hmm. yeah because my mm-hmm. situation's different correct. than everybody else's correct which is true because every situation is different but i'm also willing to bet that some of these um ideas foundational ideas that we're looking at this through with this lens would be of use well they're applicable no matter what we're talking about exactly. what we're what we're offering is not simple solutions and what we're offering is not a one size fits all what we're trying to offer is a different framework for viewing um you know this process of talking to our kids about screen time without so much fear and anxiety and pain and, and struggle and anger and anger and and keeping and hopelessness connection intact so our hope is not you know when you say my kid is different we know that mm-hmm. that's why we're not going to offer a one size fits all so when people say that to me i respect it and understand it it's it's like when anybody tells me about my own kid mm-hmm. i'm like wait a second hold on you know what i mean but at the same time there really isn't anybody that this couldn't at least support sure. i'm not i'm not giving any kind of false like if you do this everything will be perfect i would never say anything like that what i'm saying is this might be able to change your viewpoint in such a way where what you do changes mm-hmm. and what that is is up to you. Okay. So the first four that we talked about last week, uh, number one was right view, which is like your, your viewpoint on how you are going to, um, look at screen time. Number two is right motivation, which is about how you are going to like, you can also call right uh, motivation, right intention or right thought or right understanding. So it's basically like, what your intention is. Okay. Number three is right speech, which we explained extensively last week about how it's not only what you say, it's also the stories you tell yourself. So it's inner dialogue and outer dialogue. So that's right speech. And then number four, which we left off on was right action, which is about 
the steps that we then take. And, and again, just so you guys can get an idea of how like, you know, the thought processes behind this is that right action is dependent on all the other things yes, that we talked about that we and, built on and that sometimes right action is not knowing what to do. So maybe your right action is confusion Correct. and doing nothing. Correct. And maybe right action is taking a step away or maybe right action is opening up a conversation. Maybe right action is asking for help or maybe right action is walking in and saying, it's time for dinner. Mm-hmm. It's time to, you know, and again, that is all. And some people will say, but that doesn't work. It, this isn't a work yeah. thing. This well, isn't- and just that, just that language just doesn't work. That's once again, like, then you think this is a problem that needs to be solved quickly. Correct. It just tells me like, when somebody says it doesn't work, I judge that they don't really have their arms around what what needs to happen in order to really make, make this change. make change. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's like when our babies, okay, so I can just relate to this in this way. You know, I came through the educational system, I got into the work world, I became a therapist who uses the D, at the time as the DSM4. I'll age myself a little bit where I could diagnose people through a series of like checklists. I could um, you know, my work, I had to get certain thing paperwork done and you know, check 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 my life was a bunch of checks. And then I had a child and I tried to use the same kind of checklist How'd with that a work child. For you? It doesn't because she, I had all three girls, is a human being. So I was like, but wait a second, I did the eat activity sleep. So you should be sleeping yeah. or you should be doing an activity. Wake up. It's the book activity says time. first we eat and then we have an activity <laughs> and then we sleep. Hey, three month old daughter, right. we ate, we played around on the floor. Now sleep. Now sleep and you're not sleeping. You, Either And then in that situation, we either blame that baby and say there's something wrong with you, or we blame ourselves and say, I must be a bad parent. Or we blame the book that we read. Or we burn the book, yeah. which I'd say burn the book. Yeah. Because if you, and I had that book, I'm not saying the book's bad. What I'm saying is if I had to choose between the three, mm-hmm. I would hold on to my own self-awareness and allow my child to have their own development rather than say the book is what I'm going to follow. Yeah. Yeah, I was about to go somewhere else, but it'll um, distract us. us. Yes. Okay, so those are the four, um, and now we're going to talk about number five. I'm interested to see where this goes because- um, Oh, I think you'll love it. Well, it's- right up your alley. Number one is view, motivation, speech, and action. What else could there be? You got It's all done. So much more. All right, what's five? It gets richer and richer. Let me see here. Number five is right livelihood. Hmm. We talked last week about how within the Eightfold Path, there's an ethical trilogy, they call it. Basically, it just means that speech and action and livelihood are kind of interconnected and that they are, they are focused on our ethical awareness. Okay. It doesn't mean that they're necessarily more important or less important. It's just they're ethical things to consider. Sure. So right livelihood, and it's basically right livelihood with speech and action. Now, What I'll say, just to kind of give the general approach first, and then we'll get into parenting and screen time, is that right livelihood conventionally, and I keep using that word because you could go read about the Eightfold Path and it'll depend on who's teaching it to you. But conventionally, it's about where you earn your money. Oh, okay. Okay? So basically, Buddhist beliefs are that you have to be thoughtful about where you earn your money. Again, do no harm, right? So, you know, don't earn your money by trading weapons or sex trafficking, Mm -hmm. or hurting animals, 
or I added these trading and subprime mortgages yeah. <laughs> or being a pundit who prop up nasty politics. Mm. Okay. Because basically the TMZ guy, correct. Like he's a billionaire. I'm like Ugh. paparazzi, you know, people who basically base their financial needs or their, they basically, their money comes because other people are getting harmed. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yes. It's like the whole story of Iron Man going into Marvel is the reason that um, Tony Stark, Tony Stark, Robert Downey Jr.'s character, the reason he is able to like have access to like his suit and the capabilities of his superhero persona is that he used to before he dealt in he traded in arms, yeah, weapons in weapons, and so he realized he got into a situation in Iron Man One, which you guys have all seen, I'm sure. If you haven't, it's interesting mm. where he was doing that. And he got into a situation where he was being harmed and he saw everybody else who was being harmed by the work he did and what his company had created mm. to harm the world. Yeah. And so he's like, I got to do something about this. And he became Iron Man to basically go against what he had been doing his whole life. Okay. So I say that just because we want to be – so classically, this means that we don't want to be deceitful or deceptive. Yeah. Okay? Live a life in integrity. And you got it. Get paid w- – while living in your own integrity. You got it. So um, I I thought about you, though, with this one before I go to screen time, because you and I were just having a discussion about money and our work and that um, and money is a legitimate like like source of inquiry. Like you really you want to be thoughtful about money. I was telling Todd that he really depends on me with our work to make sure that we're grounded in our integrity, mm. um, which he'll never have to worry about. Like I'm very vocal when something doesn't feel in our integrity. But the reason I'm capable of doing that and the reason I have the foundation to do that is Todd has always been a really good teacher when it comes to money. So why I say that is because if Todd wasn't good with money and if we didn't have a solid foundation i wouldn't which means savings accounts savings and all account, that stuff right yeah. and like you know saving for retirement and yeah. that kind of a thing then i might not be able to invest so much of my time and energy into just focusing on these and again i'd always hopefully be in my integrity but i may not have as much room for creativity yeah. or so why I say that is when in the universal principle of livelihood of, you know, right livelihood, money is something when people are like, money's horrible, money's the root of all evil. No, it's not. Money's necessary to live, but it's what you do with money and yeah. how you make your money. The way I teach young people, because I've had the chance, is money is neutral. Correct. It's neither good nor bad. Same with, uh, you know, like we talk about, people talk about power. It's really not the exact same, but power doesn't corrupt someone. It reveals someone. You could probably say technology is neutral. The, it, it, how interesting. Right? I did not know we were going to go this way, but you're right. Like it's how you look at it, how you respond to it, and how you use it. Yep. Because if you're using technology to numb out, it becomes a problem. If you're using technology to bully other people or to be a troll, it becomes a problem. Yeah, technology probably helps cure certain types of cancer with, with through yes, science and absolutely. technology also destroys our environment. Exactly. So it's a really interesting, I didn't even know we were going to go that way. Um, but so another way to talk about right livelihood though, and I'll get off money and jobs for a second is you can also call it right living or right relationships. Okay. Okay. So um, any, so 
So this kind of goes back to what you were talking about last week, how you said sometimes I hide behind my computer and say, this is work, but kids, you need to get off your technology, but I'm not going to get off of mine because this is my work. So sometimes we think about making our living as essential. So much, and I get that. I, it of course is, like I said, money is important, but that anything that competes with us making money is a distraction. Mm. Does that make sense? So we as, this kind of is focusing more on us for a second is we'll say, I'm going to be on my technology as much as I want to be. And I'm going to text anytime I want because money is, I'm making money and that's the most important thing. And if our kid is like, but I feel like you're ignoring me or, mm. or you're on your computer all the time, we say, sorry, you're distracting me. Be- if we don't say it, we model it. Because what's most important is for me to get this email out, Correct. for me to respond to this text Correct. so that my boss doesn't get mad at me or Correct. my customers don't get mad at me. All the while, you are disconnecting from your kids. Exactly. So this, and I am. I have been so guilty of that in the past. We all have. Yeah. And, and I watch it at the park. I, and see, the thing is, is I want to be clear. I don't look at parents and judge them on their their phones because I kind of do the opposite thing. Like where when I see a parent on their phone, I think they're probably having to text the babysitter or they're probably talking to their parent that they're taking care of. Or they're probably like, you know, it's like something I learned when I used to be behind slow drivers and it'd be like, well, maybe they're driving slow because they got in a car accident yesterday. Yeah. Maybe they're driving slow because they're on their way to a hospital, like, or vice versa, because that's why they're driving fast. Like I try and give people the benefit of the doubt, but there are times when you're with people and they are, they make their job so important that they are willing to have other people get annoyed at them or say, you're disconnecting from me. You don't see me. And they're like, sorry, it's work. Yeah. And like everything we're talking about right now, there is a balance, but there is an understanding of making money. I talked about this a lot with David Brooks's book, um, you know, The Road to Character, where he talks about having your loves out of order. Mm. If money is our top love. Now, we love our people. We love nature. We love animals. We love money. And if we put money first – we might inadvertently hurt the people we love, hurt animals, hurt the environment. Do you see what I mean? Mm. Um, so we have to be thoughtful about money is important, but if it's hurting the other things we love, it can be challenging. So, Well, it's funny, like people, like if you were to ask somebody, like, what's the most important thing in your life? Most people say, oh, my family. Right. My kids. Oh, everybody says that. Uh, but yet, what? What are your, if a video camera just documented your entire life and saw how you spent all of your time and sees that you are on your computer 14 and a half hours a day and you spent 32 minutes with your kid, like, well, how, there's some misalignment there. Correct. Because you just told me family is most important. And then we can hide behind, like, I need to get my kids this house and this food so that we can have a family. Like, it's so easy for us to hide behind it. Well, and that's why, because I'm not saying, like, my kids know I work every day. And when I'm working, I don't, like, constantly apologize for working. I'm very clear about the fact, oh, you guys, I got to finish this. I'm working. But that is not constant and chronic for me. Meaning, if I am walking around the kitchen with my earphones on, cleaning up the kitchen, I'm not even doing, like, my regular job, and my kids walk in... I do my best and I don't do it every time. I'll be honest to take my earphones out, put them in my pocket and say, how you guys doing? I pay attention to the people in front of me. Now you might say, 
What does that have to do with my kid getting off screen time? Mm. You are creating a culture in your home of disconnection of disconnection when you're not doing that and so when they are disconnecting and going up to the room and saying i don't want to talk to you while i have my earphones on it is not only hypocritical but it won't make sense to them i I mean hypocritical sounds like i'm blaming the parents or saying you're a bad person what i'm saying is it doesn't translate to your kids they're like but you walk around with earphones on all the time well and we just did a podcast a few weeks ago number 555 and it was about how I was ready to connect with my kid when we got in the car and she wasn't and I got triggered because she wasn't ready when I was ready Mm -hmm. and there's a neglect of being connected like you got to know where your kid is in order to connect with them but I didn't even consider her correct I just am like I'm I'm ready, so you better be ready. I've got my earphones out. You take your earphones yes. out. On that note, I don't think I have in the last like at least five years gotten so many emails about a show than five five five. And I have to give credit to Todd because I didn't even really want to tape it. Um <laughs> and he said we have to go tape this show right now. So if you haven't listened to podcast five 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 from the amount of emails I've gotten in the last week, um I it was impactful. Mm-hmm. Um I'm hoping all of our shows have some kind of impact, but there was something about that show that really struck a nerve with people. So thank you to everybody who has emailed us. Um, and that does connect to this one. Sure. Um, so, I mean, really the gist of it is like the, the, the big principle is to be ethically aware of how we interact and relate. Um, but not just to our level of achievement, but to everybody, to everything like that's like the deep thing, but how does that show up with our kids and their screen time is be thoughtful of how you, your expectation of your kids in comparison to what you're doing with your technology is that not only is it just role modeling, but demonstrating that you do notice them or that you want to connect. And and then on the other side of saying things like, like sometimes my kids walk out to talk to me. This happens a lot because I, since COVID, I've been trying to work outside as much as possible. So I'm not hidden in my um, office. And sometimes my girls will come outside and sit down and start talking to me. And I'll say, you know what? I actually have to finish this. Um, and then I will come in and find you. But right now, or I like text everybody and say, I have a client from 1130 to 1230. Um, I won't be available. Like, I don't, I'm not saying again, you've got to be in this pendulum swing with us. I'm not saying we say to our kids, anytime you need me, I'm available. I work. You work. We're not always available, but there are times. When Just like when they're doing schoolwork, we don't go there and constantly interrupt them, (laughs) at least the older kids. I know with the younger kids, sometimes they need a little more support. But it's having some understanding of like in the in the in between level, there's sometimes that my girls are talking to me in the kitchen and I'm not doing work and all of a sudden I get a text and I'll say, hold on, hold that thought. I just have to tell my sister this really quick. Da, 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 da. Okay, start up again. Now that's not ideal. I don't want to always interrupt them, but there are times that's better than like just trying to send the text and pretending I'm listening to them. Right. Well, and what you're talking about is presence. So if I were to rename this fifth one, uh-huh. Livelihood, um, because I don't want to change the eightfold path, but in regards to screen time, it would just be the right priorities. Correct. That's how I would kind of reframe it. Absolutely. And then your relationship, the reason it connects to money mm-hmm. is that we do hide behind our work. Sure. And we say this is the most important thing. Yep. When, of course, it is in, it's an important thing in paying our bills, but money is never the most important thing. And I know, so 
and we could go into a whole nother yep. wing there, but I'm just going to leave that one there. Okay. And so number six. Uh, number six. Number six is called right effort. Right efforts. Mm-hmm. What's that all about? Well, you know, there's a really kind of difficult way to say it. And the way that I try to explain it is finding middle ground. Ooh. Okay. So there is this place where, like, I have this experience personally with writing where if you were to ask me about writing, I get up at least four to five days a week and write. Um, so in itself, that is a commitment that I've made to myself and that it is an effort in that I've made that commitment. Um, and that, so that's hard in itself, right? But there's this place I get to in writing where it's effortless, but I'm making effort. And I tend to call that flow. Yes. Okay. So, and so do the scientists. Yes. Right? Yeah. And you're right. I'm not saying I came up with the word. What I'm saying is that's my version of what flow is. It's when things come easy, you're Correct. not working hard, yet the results you're getting are crazy. Yes. Think of Jordan when he's going up against Portland and he kept hitting those threes and he shrugged his shoulders and he said he, that he was in a zone. That's how he He's like, it. I can't miss. Yeah. I can't miss. And what that looks like for me is because I'm not Jordan is where I looked at the clock and it was 9.15 and then I look up and it's 12.30. And I'm like, I don't even know where I've been. So right effort is finding that, okay, so like for kids, too much attempt, too much attention can create child anxiety, right? Mm -hmm. But too little attention is neglectful. So effort is about not being too eager to step in, but not stepping back so much that you're completely remote and not connected. And right effort kind of gives us this middle place that we've been trying to find with mm. all of these is where is that push and pull? Yeah, it reminds me of the the metaphor we've always used on the show, which is the balance beam. Yes. Your kid, you know, say your six-year-old's on a balance beam at a gymnastics place and they're trying to get from one or at the playground. Right. Uh, the idea is not to hold their hand to the point where there's no chance that they're going to uh, not find their balance. But then the other thing is you don't want to be you so, know, far, so away. far away that you can't support them and they're going to hurt themselves. Correct. It's just being close enough to where they can fail a little bit, mm-hmm. but not get, you know, really significantly hurt. That's kind of my balance of how I look at that. Yeah. And you know, this is a struggle where I'm going to talk about this and I'm not, and people are going to be like, well, then give me the right answer, but you're going to have to stay open to all of this. Is this is where I struggle when people like constantly read their kids texts and Mm. emails and Mm. like go through all their social networking. Got to keep them safe. If they're on drugs, I need to know about it. Right. And people will use a story of my friend of a friend of a friend was checking texts and that's how she knew this and this. And if she hadn't done that, then this kid would have died. Who knows what would have happened. Right. And so- I believe me, because I have these conversations with people all the time. And, but there's this really, this, there's this place in between where I, my children know we did contracts with them when it came to get them getting their phones that Todd and I own the phones that they have. It's our phone. We have a right to look at it whenever we want. That's correct. And we, that we pay for it, all that kind of stuff. So there's an awareness of the structure, the hierarchy there. But I also really have no desire to read their texts. I have not ever. And I'm not saying this is right. People are going to be like, oh, then this is is the way you think it should go. This is not the way I think it should go. The only thing I can tell you is I've never looked at my daughter's texts. I'm not saying that you shouldn't. I'm saying for me, it doesn't feel right to do that. Now, that's maybe it's because Kathy's having authentic conversations with our daughters on a daily basis. And we would know if something 
something bad was cooking. Right. So there's really no need for us to do that. But there's other households where it may absolutely be a need, right? Well, it's it, and again, it's because of the the first six that yeah. we talked about. Yeah. It's all about the reason why, the motivation behind it, the the viewpoint you're taking on it. Like this isn't a simple checking a kid's text is like a microcosm of this whole idea about screen time. Yeah. Is this is one of those things is that if there has been see the thing is is once that starts that's going to be the structure yeah. of they will know that you read things so they're going to have to hide things and they know you look at their Instagram posts posts so they'll make a a, a fake Instagram like you you put yourself into a different track yes and and that may be okay for you sure. you're like well that to me that's better than whatever because your motivation is maybe based on some kind of history or story or experience that I don't understand. So you may say, no, Kathy, you'd understand if you knew my story. A hundred percent. You know, you know, you know your kids better than I do. But what I'm saying is you have to understand that that effort of you constantly reading their texts may be a push so Away. far the other way yeah. that they're going to run even further the other way. Your effort is too much. Or, you know, where is the parent who's like, I don't know what they have on their phone. I don't know what they look at. I don't know what they do. I'm not that having conversations be, with them. That may be way too, too far, far the, the other, other way. way. This is right effort is what's that place in between getting interested without being someone who spies on them. Yeah. And I'm using spy on purpose. Because sometimes I know stories. Of course. You know, a lot of my clients tell me, well, they went to bed, so I looked at their phone just to make sure they were okay. I'm like, what about asking them? (laughs) Yeah. You know, what about having the connection? Well, I feel like a benign example of this is we've heard stories of, you know, the houses that have like the candy bars in the drawer and and the kids can eat them whenever they want. And when you ever hear those stories, the kids don't eat them all the time, even though some parents would be like, well, if if the Milky Way's in the and the snicker bars are in there, they're going to be eaten. Mm -hmm. And they're really not like, we've got ice cream in our fridge. Like it's one of those things. So, so the, I feel like that's an interesting middle ground because some, some households would be like, well, don't have any candy anywhere because candy's bad for you and high fructose corn syrup and sugar and blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden kids are going to go outside and figure out how to get their candy. Well, at the same time, you're not like, feeding your kids candy. You're not saying dinner tonight is is, ice cream and candy. Yeah, right. right. So, and this is right effort is, and I like the placement of this being number six because I like people thinking about all the other things first. And I mean, obviously Buddha came up with this, not me, right? but I like the way it fits because, you know, it's finding, it's understanding how everything affects everything. And if you go into too much, they're going to push back on you. And if you don't go, in it all, they'll push back on you, <laughs> meaning that they may separate from you more. Like it's a, there's this place where you're kind of like, it's like a, I need it like a better metaphor because I see the, excuse me, I see the pendulum and I understand that, but it's like you're finding this place of, and, and I'm going to go back to number four, talking about right action. We talked about right action being that sometimes you don't know what the right action is and that's okay. And that just knowing that you're not quite sure is a relief Yeah, that you, because a lot of times the reason we beat ourselves up is because we think we're supposed to have answers. Right. And when you realize you don't have all the answers, you're kind of relieved. And then your right effort is being like, I'm going to try this. It may or may not work. I'm going to try this. It may or may not work. 
I mean, and, and a lot of parents I talk to will say things like I did A, B, C, D, E, but they were very like strict and stringent plans. Yeah. They weren't like rigid, a flow. Yeah. They were like a, I'm going to use a reward chart. They didn't, it didn't work. I'm going to use it. And it's instead like constantly going in and coming out. Yes. It's waves. Yeah. It's funny. I, cause there's been plenty of moments where I've been frustrated because my kids have spent too much time on a, on their computer screen in this particular day. And sometimes I've judged that I'm too far, I'm too passive. Mm -hmm. But the way I justify my passivity, like I know if I go in there and have a conversation with them about asking them how many shows they watch today, it's going to go sideways. So I basically just remove my, and I, I choose not to go in there. And whether or not that's right or wrong, I still don't know. But the way I justify it is, Right now, the term I use is I'm below the line. Like I'm in this closed defensive wanting to be right place. And it's not a good time for me to figure this out with my kid. So I just remove myself. And even though I'm frustrated, I'm going to have to do my own work before I go and re-engage with them. So it's like a self-awareness piece. Like you need to be in the right state of mind to have this conversation. It You do. And I will, because I know our situation and I know you, I'll challenge you with this mm-hmm. because you talk a lot about being below the line and it's okay to be below the line, and which it is. None of that is untrue. But when you say that, when you say, I realize I'm not going to go in and talk to them because I'm going to be below the line, I would challenge you with, you're not doing the number one step, which is taking the right view. Mm-hmm. You're not getting the right motivation, which is the second step. You keep trying to go in with the same belief system and your voice um, reflects that because it's very monotone and like you've already um, – and this isn't all the time. This sure. isn't like Todd does this every single time. What I'm saying is this situation where you're like, I want to go in and talk to them and be like, how long but have you been you on technology? don't you think it's better that I don't? Well, hear me okay. out. There, you're getting black and white again yeah. that I'm saying that means you're doing it wrong. I think that in that situation that you're talking about, if you don't have right view, the patience. then of course you shouldn't go in. Right. So I'm not criticizing you. Yeah. What I'm saying is that what I said was I'm challenging you to realize that if you keep doing it that way, where you're like, well, I'm just yeah, not in a good space. Then I'm not doing my work. Then you're, then instead it's like, why do I think, could, can I go into their rooms without needing them to know how much I can't stand there on their computer? Right. Instead, you go in and you sit in their cool chairs that they just got and you say, what are you watching? Yeah. And you're interested. Yeah. Like I hide behind like, well, I'm just not in a good place, so I'm not going to deal with it at all. Right. That's out of balance too. Right. It, that's what I meant about starting with you. You talk about being below the line, but that's a place to hide. Yes. It's like, well, I'm below the line. So nothing I could do. Right. No, I totally hear that. Mm-hmm. And you're right. I completely agree with you. Yeah, because you're when, and you're not always like this, mm-hmm. but when you are in that place, your voice has a certain con, con you know, just like I do when mm-hmm. I'm anxious and nervous, it sounds a certain way where it doesn't even matter what you're saying. Mm-hmm. What the kids read is you're not happy with what they're doing. Well, and almost always when I'm below the line, it has nothing to do with their screen technology at all. Correct. I had a crappy day at work. I had a crappy day here. I had a crappy day there. And I'm just going to like let, let, let that crappiness spill into this next connection or lack thereof with my kid. Exactly. And no, that is not about the screen. It's about where I am in regards to my relationship with the previous thing that happened to me. Exactly. And I think that therapy... Being a therapist and being a parent, everything about it is right effort. Mm-hmm. Because you and I, we actually were with our friends at Duffy's this week or a couple weekends ago. And, um, you know, John Duffy and I 
are therapists and Todd and Julie, Julie is John's wife, are coaches. And John and I are also coaches, but we kind of blend the models, right? So the four of us were kind of talking about coaching and therapy and coaching and therapy. And while they're very interconnected in many ways, like it's not like we're doing completely different things, but there is like Todd, his coaching model is much more focused on and it'll it'll change as you go through it, but like here's the actions we're gonna take. Here's the efforts we're going to take. Here's the steps we're going to take. Mm-hmm. And that in for me as a therapist, that's way too much effort. Sure. And there's not enough like just being yeah. like you even asked us as a group because we were just having conversation about our work. You're like, how long do you let someone go on and on and on and on? Yeah. And even that there is no right answer. That depends on the person. Mm-hmm. That depends on the relationship. That that depends on what's going on with them. And if you actually had some kind of model, like I only let people talk five minutes, mm-hmm. you're not with them. Then. Yeah, you're in your model. Right. And so it's like finding that. And so that's why I'm relating you as a coach or me as a therapist to being a parent. Is if you have a string, if you have a structure or rules with no with no like understanding of that person in the moment then you have no right, your right once effort again, is wrong. <laughs> once again, is presence. Correct. Presence is being aware of what's going around, going on around you in the present moment without judgment. Yes. Without wanting it to be anything other than it is. Yes. Think how hard that is. Like of, the minute we confront our kid about technology, we almost by definition want, to, want it to be different than what it is. I know. It's really challenging. Well, I took this sentence um, from Mark Epstein's book, Todd, but I thought you would like it because we talked about this the other night. Don't try so hard to be helpful. Mm, it's great. Love it. Right. And, and I've been taught that in my coaching program I'm in right now is like, you got to unhook from any expectations from the session. Beautiful. You have to unhook from any expectation you have from this interaction you're about to have with your kid about technology. If you can unhook from that and be present and listen from a place of consciousness, you're probably in a much better position to get the very exact thing that you're looking for, which is peace. But the minute we, you know, we, the minute we, initiate it, we have an expectation. Exactly. Because we're like, wait, let me help you. I've got this. Wait, what's your love language? Wait, I'll help you this way. Wait. And I do this too, Todd. Like, you know, if I'm really like, if someone's struggling with something, I want to give them some kind of life raft, right? I want to be like, you know, let's, I want to give you something before we, and, and, and most of the time we can figure out something, but a lot of the times I get off a call and I'm like, you know, I'm trying really hard to be helpful. And maybe sometimes you know, some people just need to be heard yeah. and they don't need us constantly throwing new ideas and new, you know, here's a new, you know, personality test and here's a new, like, they don't need all that. They just want to be heard. And this, I'm going to connect it to parenting. It's the exact same way. Yeah. Don't try so hard to change your kids. Don't try so hard to be helpful to them. Don't try so hard to be perfect. Don't try. You're like, they just don't need something from them. We did our show 555, which we talked about already. A big portion of it is quit needing so much from your kids. And now parents will say, well, I don't, they don't need to do anything. I'm the one who works and makes dinner. 
but you need BS. them to be a certain You need them way. to study. You yeah. need them to do well in sports. You, we need them to get enough sleep. We need them to get off technology. Get off technology. Like the idea that we don't need anything from our kids is such crap. We are constant. And so because we have to measure how our value as a human being is based upon how well we're guiding these young people. Right. And I remember, you know, one thing that was, I really enjoyed this and it really shifted, um, something in my kids because I watched it or it was with one of my daughters about two or three years ago, Todd and I have been doing, um, if you don't know, this is end parenting conference for the last five years and they're pretty amazing. And a couple of years ago, I think it was our second one. My daughter who was then like maybe a freshman in high school, she said, you know, I'm excited about this year. And she's like, but don't worry, we'll like look nice and, you know, be on our best behavior or whatever. And I said, what are you talking about? Like, you know, like I, I was, was confused. Like, did someone tell you to look nice and yeah. be on your best behavior? She goes, well, no, but you and dad are doing, you know, the yeah, conference. You know, so yeah. we want to do this. And I was like, honey, go to the conference and be yourself. I used to ask you the same question, like, cause you know, you started getting Elmhurst famous and I'm like, what happens Elmhurst. if, what happens if we're at uh, the grocery store and one of our toddlers melts down and you're like, then they melt down. She, and what you said was, I'd be more concerned if I lost it yes. on them. But our kid, you know, I I'm not gonna, who cares if our kid melts? That's what kids do. That's what children do. And if you think my children are any different <laughs> than anyone else's children, and you don't, let me take it off my children. If you think human beings that live in my house are different than human beings that live at other people's house, like every emotion is in them that's in everybody else. Any emotion they have, I have. And the thing is, is when you say, I'm more worried about how I would feel, I, react and cry in front of people all the time. Mm. I don't hold back about who I am. I think what Todd meant by saying that is I would be upset at myself if I was like, shh, 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 because of the people. Like that's where I'd know I was off base. And that's kind of what I was saying to my girls about the conferences. If I was telling you to be something you aren't or telling you to dress in a certain way, then everything I'm doing at the conference doesn't make any sense. You know what story I just thought of? What? The first time I met your family after your dad got sick uh-huh. we're like going to i don't know we're doing some family function uh-huh. and i totally put on nice pants and nice <laughs> shoes and a nice shirt you're like what are what you, are you doing, doing? <laughs> and i'm like this is what you do right you gotta like you know get all dressed up because you're meeting your girlfriend's parents and you're like take that off <laughs> Put your regular clothes back on. I'm like, once I get to know you, they'll probably be pretty bummed yeah, because this really isn't who right, you are. exactly. Well, and you know, when parents say that to me, they'll say, well, my kids need to dress a certain way for a wedding or for church. And I'm like, okay, sure. then teach them that, yeah. that there are certain times that you don't have to be different than who you are, but as a whole, it's a way of showing respect or honor. But then even with that, can it be a dress they choose? Yeah, right. Or can it be a pants that they choose? Like, do you have to like micromanage That's why all this is so layered. It is. And this has nothing to do with screens, but no. it's like a you, you know, point. an understanding of what right effort means. Yeah. And so um I will finish with this um that it is it's very connected to right action in that there is no exact right effort. It's a balance. Sometimes your choice didn't work out, sometimes it did, but if it did work out, it doesn't mean it's always going to work out, and if it didn't work out, it doesn't mean you're doomed. So it's like finding that in-between place and understanding that there's a lot of things at play, your kid's mood, why they're needing technology that day, your mood, what kind of interaction you're having with them that day, like 
it's finding a place in between and understanding that it's less about having the right answers and more about making a balanced effort. Mm. Does that sound okay? Yep. Okay. So number seven. Number seven is right mindfulness. We made it to mindfulness. Thank goodness. So mindfulness is, you know, as far as the eightfold path is the one that really took off in the Western world, right? It's like everybody grabbed number seven and said, let's do this one. Yes. (laughs) Let's not do the other ones, but let's do mindfulness. So, um, you know, what it, it, you know, just in case you, if you've listened to this show long enough or any other show about mindfulness, you kind of have the gist, but we just talk about that it's about paying attention to the moment, being present for what's happening right now, not what happened yesterday or what you're worried about is going to happen when your kid gets to high school, but what's happening right now, paying attention to the moment. Okay. So, um, The problem is the challenge we run into as parents is we make mindfulness, if it be in our meditation practice or even in the way we are with our kids, is we make it another method of self-improvement. Okay. So like, I'll, I'll be, I'll kind of talk about some of my best lessons when it comes to mindfulness and then we'll talk specifically about screen time. Is that some people who do meditation, which meditation and mindfulness are not synonymous. Uh, meditation is a practice we can do to become better equipped to practice mindfulness. Mm-hmm. So meditation is taking the time to sit in stillness to recognize what mindfulness is, right. bringing your attention back to the moment, noticing how your mind wanders. You don't change anything when you're meditating. You just watch as an observer. And so then it gives you the ability to be more present when you are in real situations. And that in itself, we become focused on mindfulness being our meditation versus what we learn in meditation and then applying that to our everyday situation. So we will say, I'm really good at mindfulness. I meditate every day for 20 minutes. And we make it like a self-improvement tactic, but then we fall apart on our kids like eight times a day. But we're like, but don't worry because... Next tomorrow morning, I'm going to meditate for 20 minutes. So I'm still a good meditator, which means I'm good at practicing mindfulness and has nothing to do with the 20 minutes where you're on your cushion. It has to do with the other 23 hours and 40 minutes is how are you showing up? Exactly. The, The meditation practice or the mindfulness practice, like Todd, a couple weeks ago, he was walking around outside and he said, oh, I've changed my meditation to now I do a, a walking meditation. And that is, a, I, I thought that was a really good thing. Am I right on this mm-hmm. or am I? Why I thought that was really good is because, and I was like, oh, that's good for him, first of all, because he's he likes to move, is that some people make their mindfulness, their meditation practice almost like a superstition. Like if they don't do it this way, then they're not doing it right. And what you did was you were like, I've been doing it this way for a while. Now I'll try it another way. Like you were able to kind of break out of the box of what mindfulness practice means. Well, another thing that I've been doing every now and again is I I only meditate for usually 10 minutes a day, but like yesterday's meditation, I did it with eyes open. Yeah, that's so cool. Which is interesting because it's also, in a way it's more challenging, but it's also it it, it preps me to be mindful the rest of the day because it's easier to be mindful and meditative. No, it's easier to be mindful, meditative with your eyes closed. It's harder to do Ah. it with your eyes open because 
that's when you have all the stimulation going mm-hmm. on around you. So yeah, I just try to mix it up. Well, and that's one thing on that note that I learned, um, and this gets into the same idea, is that when my kids were really little, um, which was when I was really, I, I still have a meditation practice that I do um, the vast majority of days. And I don't say every day anymore because I think that's too constrictive for mm-hmm. me. I like to know that on a Sunday I can go for a walk instead, but I have a meditation practice. I'll just say that with a period. Um, but when my kids were really little, I would get really kind of, I'm just going to say it, I get pissed off because they would walk in the room when they were little, two, three, four, and they would disrupt my meditation. Mm. And one of my teachers was finally like, use it. Yeah, totally. If your kids are walking in, use it, like breathe. And instead of being like, get out of here, you're ruining my meditation. <laughs> and then going back to breathing, use that like where Todd and I live, um, there's a train uh, not too many blocks away. And sometimes I'll start my meditation and I can hear the train. Now I like that sound. Mm-hmm. But instead of that disrupting my practice, use it to breathe through. Well, and the fact that you need, some of us need all circumstances to be completely right, to have a positive experience through meditation is really a recipe for disaster. Right, because no life is like that. In the same way, like if you're trying to be mindful when interacting with your kid about the screen and you think you know how it's going to go and you're not going to have these curveballs sent your way, there's not, it's going to be hard to be present. Exactly. And that you, like even that practice in itself, like, you know, I always think it's, I actually have good humor about it now and on my meditation. Uh, I have a little altar and I've got a whole bunch of figures, but one of them is the laughing Buddha. And we found out it's not really the Buddha, mm-hmm. but they call it the laughing Buddha. And he, I just think about him every time I'll like start my meditation and then someone comes with a leaf blower. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, right when you start. And I'm like, this is life. Yeah. Like right when you sit down to chill, the freaking leaf blower goes on. And that in itself is the meditation. Yeah. It doesn't matter that I don't get to the deepest levels or because you can still sit there and relax and breathe. I can still do the same breathing exercise, which can chill my snow globe, which means, you know, everything's crazy. You know, it's like a snow globe. And then you're just kind of letting all that snow fall to the bottom. That can still happen if I breathe. And it doesn't, it's the practice is. The practice is the leaf blower. The yes. practice is your children coming in. The practice is you told your child to get off their technology after 30 minutes and they didn't. Yeah. So what do you do? How are you going to show then? up now? Exactly. And, and parents ask us that. What do I do then? I don't know. Start with breathing consciously. But where are you going to find yourself? And as Todd always says, locate yourself and what's your intention and what is your viewpoint on this and what how do you feel about uh, you know and obviously your mindfulness but what is your ability to say something to your child in a way that is not going to make you feel horrible about yourself or make them feel horrible about about themselves so this that's the thing is there is no exact answer but you're going to have a better understanding of what to do if you breathe and not just breathe in that moment, but have a practice of doing that and can pay attention to what's happening now. Because what we do a lot is our child will have been on technology Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, and that didn't really bug us that much because Mm -hmm. we were busy. And then on Thursday, we're really pissed off about something 
you know, the leaf blower goes on, we can't find our kid, and then we go in and completely unload on them. And think about that from terms from your kid. How is your kid going to receive that? Because the previous three days, everything was, was fine, fine right? but now it's Thursday and right. everything's not fine. Like, what a confusing thing. Right. And I know I do that to my kids. I know. Well, we all have because that's what human beings do is we sometimes get angry and react. Yeah. And again, remember, this eightfold path is not about crushing it and nailing this yeah. and being like, I got it. Yeah. I've like crushed the Eightfold, path. Eightfold, got it. Check. <laughs> what else you got? Give me another lesson. <laughs> Give me another Buddhist What's uh, framework. Um, this is about the realization when you're not being mindful, that you just went in there and did exactly what Todd and I were just saying, and that you go back and sit on their bed and go, okay, dude, that had nothing to do with you. Like, that was all about me. I don't love that you've been on technology four days. I'm not retracting that. But that was But my... the way I did it, poor. Well, in, in the words of Rob Bell at our conference, there's a few kids in the audience, and one thing he challenged the kids to do that next time their the parents got reactive, and he challenged even our, our kids, hey, kids, Ask your parents next time they they kind of get triggered, say, hey, mom, is this mine or is this, this yours? yours? Is this yours? It's really funny. Um, another, I, lo- I actually, I write about that a lot. I use that a lot because it's the truth. Like they should, and, and they're not questioning us to be smart asses. They're questioning us because in a relationship, it takes two people. Yeah. And if the other person can be like, uh. I'm not quite sure that belonged to yeah, me. Yeah, I don't know if that's I, mine. I'm not quite sure that one was mine. Um, you know, that's kind of interesting. That's an, an, and can you hear that? Because don't we say that to our kids sometimes? Like, you're kind of, you know, even when they're two, three, four, you're kind of losing it. Mm. And I'm not quite sure it's about you, like, not being able to cut this paper. Yeah. I think it's about something that happened earlier today, right. and it's not really about your inability to use these scissors. Yeah. You know, it's like reflecting back to them. But, um, just another something that I'll say because I talk to my clients about mindfulness a lot is mindfulness is not like another therapeutic modality. It's not like, okay, do this and then take this pill and then you're good. Yep. Like it's, it's mindfulness is the possibility of discovering something unexpected about yourself or the moment. Like mindfulness is an ongoing. It's not if you meditate every morning for 20 minutes, you're good. It's mindfulness is that's your muscle builder. That's going to the gym. Yeah. But actual mindfulness is in that moment. Is there something unexpected or interesting that can happen? Yeah. So the last part about mindfulness, and then we'll go on to the last one is we have a very childish quality of needing to blame somebody or needing to have right answers or constantly needing to be right. And I say it's childish not to be diminishing to us as adults, but to say that that's, that's based in a child's mind sure. is that things are black and white and we don't have any abstract thinking and mindfulness helps us have a bigger picture, takes us back to number one, which is right view. Yeah. Okay. So okay. good. Yep. Last one, Todd. Number eight. Okay, so it's it's number eight is called right concentration. Hmm. Okay, now kind of again conventional understanding of right concentration and that it's being open to unscripted experiences, um, and it follows mindfulness like it's number eight after number seven being mindfulness. But it's often when like someone who's really learning from a Buddhist master, it's often taught before, you know, even though it's it's number eight for a reason. Um, Right concentration is fo- where we focus our energy. Okay? okay. So 
Right concentration does not want us to get super attached to anything or worship anything. It wants us to have an understanding that things remain unpredictable. Mm. Okay. So it kind of sounds like other things like right view or mindfulness, but it's like a bigger concept. It's why, remember before we said you said something about number one seems like the most important. Yes. And I said, and number eight. Eight, right. Because it really is like concentration is stillness, not just in the meditative mindfulness practice, but it's not like a respite from everything. It's a way of entertaining and engaging in uncertainty. Yeah. It's like concentrating on having an understanding of the entire big picture where right view is like, I'm going to figure out how to look at this. Mm -hmm. And concentration is like, how can I get my arms around all of this? Well, where I went in regards to technology, like yeah. concentration, you're like, where do we focus our energy? I read the book by Wayne Dyer way back when, what you focus on grows. And it's easy to focus on our kid who's been on Netflix all day or who's been playing Fortnite all night. Um, but I'm guessing that that kid also does a lot of things that are really, really good. Beautiful. I love this. But we instead focus yep. on the one thing because our ego is designed to seek out threats. Like find a we problem. are, we are wired that way. Like we need to go find the problems and it takes an act of consciousness, an act of mindfulness, an act of, um, concentration to say, Hey, this, this kid's pretty amazing. And he or she is amazing in all these different ways. Yes. But the, what we're going to focus on is that our kid, I, I remember one of our team's end people are like, to describe, she was describing her son and how she was having these issues about technology with him. Like, well, tell me more things about your son. Oh, he gets really good grades. He reads all the he time. He reads. He's got great friend group. Like, like, sounds like your kid's <laughs> doing pretty well. Like, you know what I mean? And it doesn't mean you still can't have those conversations about technology. Yeah. It means, again, is that really where you're focusing all your energy? Yes. You know what I mean? It's not that, again, this is not about I either take it or leave it. It's either right or wrong, or I either say it or don't. It's all of the above. You can leave it alone and also say something. Yeah. You can have a different perspective, but still come back to the same idea. Like, it's paradox. I find it to be the most soothing and it, it's the thing that helps me understand life the best. Yeah. Like it is. But, you know, Todd, you'll like this too, because I took this straight from the book and I thought about you because you struggle with this sometimes. You tell me you do. I don't see it, but you tell me. So in talking about number eight, when I say the book, I want to tell mm -hmm. you guys again, I'm taking this quote from Mark Epstein's book. It's called Advice Not Given, A Guide to Getting Over Yourself. He goes through the eightfold path. Um, he doesn't talk about screen time. I'm connecting that. Yeah. But so many other people write about the eightfold path. This is just one mm, book. Interesting. Um, but I wanted to, this quote I took directly from him. It says, every aspect of the path counters selfish preoccupation. Okay. So every number, all of these yeah. numbers. So you don't. Can you read it back sure, to me? Sure. Every aspect of this path. Mm -hmm, the, eight, the eight things. You counter selfish preoccupation. Like what he's trying to say, let me put that into my own words, is that every aspect of the eightfold path is to understand your ego. Mm. And the ego by definition is survival of the me. Yes. I'm me. Yes. I want to survive. I'm right. I'm righteous. Don't tell me I'm wrong. So that's selfish, selfish preoccupation. Yes. So he's saying every aspect, every number on here is about your ego, your ego. Yes. Okay. And he said, and you don't leapfrog over the ego's needs or demands. You zero in on them. 
you accept them and just hold them with a lighter touch. Mm. And why that reminded me of you is Todd and I always have these conversations about he's actually got Todd's a very like rooted person in many ways that he doesn't have a lot of like emotional reactivity. But he also notices that sometimes he doesn't have any emotion connected to it, mm-hmm. where he's like, well, I know this is going to end up okay, so why bother having any emotions? I'll just skip to this yeah. place. I'll yeah. leapfrog over this. Yeah. And he's saying that your ego demands sometimes things that you would point to and say, that's an ego demand. Mm-hmm. It's okay to have that feeling. Mm. By avoiding it, you're not a better person. Right. He's saying zero in on it. Ooh, that made me angry. Mm -hmm. Ooh, that's interesting. Well, what I'm getting out of what you're just saying is investigate these things. Correct. As opposed to pretend they're not there. Correct. I have a tendency towards spiritual bypassing, which is, oh, this ain't worth getting upset over. Right. And this is the counter to that, which is instead of just pretend it doesn't bother you, look at it. Exactly. Shine a light on it. And that each one of these things is saying that none of them, the eightfold path is not about avoiding your ego. It's about engaging with your ego. It's having a different relationship to your ego. It's not becoming something you're not or never being angry again or never having a reaction. It's about having a different relationship to it and seeing it differently and widening your perspective. And we can say that with screen time. We're not saying don't be you know, avoid talking about screen time or screen time's no big deal. Or it's about how you relate to screen time, how you think about it, how you communicate about it, how you role model it, how you connect and have conversation about it with your kids. This is how you create different dynamics in your home. It's not by Todd and I telling you, say this, do this, and impose this, and you're golden. Mm -hmm. That is not realistic, and it's not sustaining. And what that is, is, and we don't have that to offer, but even if we did, you know, it's kind of, let me just use this one, because Todd and I, we we don't laugh at people, that's like the wrong way to say it, because that sounds judgmental, but sometimes we'll be like, you know, walking through somewhere, and you hear a parent going, don't do that, one, two, I'm almost at three, three, yeah, Four, and they're trying to engage with a method that someone offered them, which is the one, two, three magic. Yeah. And they keep using it, thinking if I get to five or six, then, and they're not, they're, they're not going into mindfulness or figuring out when I was saying going into mindfulness, they're not paying attention to the moment. They're not paying attention to their own emotions. They just keep trying to impose something on top of it, which is I'm going to count to three. Now I used one, two, three magic, but I also knew when it was failing. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like sometimes I'd count to three and my kids would be like here. And when they weren't, it's time to, as Ross would say, pivot, pivot, pivot. So, um, Todd, anything you want to say about any of these? Um, I guess my only thing is that these eight folds, kind of like what you just said regarding that book, it, we just decided to like hitchhike on the screen time thing to explain oh, yeah. these eight. <laughs> yeah. uh, but so you can use these eight things for anything, anything. that's going on in your life. Right. We just elected to use it in the lowest hanging fruit of what something Kathy and I hear all the time, which is how do I get my kid to stop playing Fortnite? And I think the reason why, because we had been talking, we decided last week, let's just do a podcast about screen time. And I was so worried 
uh, worried's the wrong word. I was so um, not interested in having a podcast where we gave a bunch of advice mm-hmm. about say this, do this, because that doesn't get to the core of what this challenge is. And what this challenge is, it's about being having the right view, having the right motivation, having the right speech, the right action, the um, right effort having the right mindfulness and the right concentration. And again, because you guys have been listening to us, when in the Eightfold Path, when they use the word right, it doesn't mean there's one way. Mm -hmm. They mean being conscious of these things. These things will help you manage screen time. And, but it, you know, if you're like, but will it take it down from eight hours to five? I don't know. I, I don't know. Yeah. And, and even if it did for a week, maybe the next week it would be at nine. Like, and you, and, and people who are like, but I just want answers, then this... I'd be like, sorry, I can't help you. <laughs> I know. There is no answer. I know. Um, yeah. There are some teachers, though, who offer very concrete um, solutions to, to in their view. Of course. And if you want to try those things, just like we were talking about 123 Magic, there's nothing wrong with trying something. This could be part of your right effort. Like yeah, I'm going to try I think this. It's and- not that there's tech. It's not that techniques are worthless, but unless they are done in conjunction with some of this deeper work, it's most likely not sustainable. Going to be a sustainable. Yeah, and, and and it definitely it has the possibility of decreasing not only your own decreasing. Wrong word. It has the possibility of disconnecting you from possibly yourself and your child sure. because you might end up it's like what we talked about with um right livelihood mm-hmm. you know we were talking about money how that becomes the most important thing we may make the technique the most important thing sure. put that at number 1 and just be like oh connection and and self awareness i'm going to put way down the list and okay but then that will cause a problem later on yep. if you put technique first it's just like putting money first yep. um so it's it's a my hope in that you listening to this, hopefully my hope is that it gives you some relief instead of feeling like I'm more lost. You have a sense of, okay, there's not one right way to do this. I'm not failing as a person, you know, that my kid isn't, you know, flawed beyond belief and, you know, they'll never make it back. You know, this is a philosophy or a framework to help you see things in a different way, which might unlock, unleash your creativity and how you manage it. Yeah, it's funny. I'm taking the other route okay. is, you know, you're like, hopefully you you have some relief as a result of listening to these two podcasts, which I hope. While at the same time, this is, this is kind of the quote unquote heavy lifting that you have to do to really to, you know, you can either, you have a bunch of weeds in your front lawn, you could either you know, hit them with a weed whacker mm-hmm. and they're just going to grow more. Mm-hmm. Or you could do this heavy lifting and, and get it from the root. And the root all comes from with inside of us and has nothing to do with your kid mm-hmm. and the choices he or she or they make on screens. Because if you believe that your children are their own human beings and that we don't control them, like we support them, we encourage them, we role model for them, we offer them lessons. It's not, we help them and support them, but we don't control them. So then the only thing, and we can't control other humans, we think we can, or we think we should be able to, but you know, it can be difficult enough to control my rabbit. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And it's a rabbit. Um, But 
then what we do have control over is how we understand and self-regulate and pay attention. We have some control over how we view ourselves. And that can then shift the dynamic with our children. Yes. That's how we make a change. Not whenever a parent comes to me and say, how do I get my kid to change? I know it has not, I know who needs to do 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 with their kid. Exactly. So I'm going to um, stop talking. All right. Um, So real quick, uh, Jeremy Kraft, he's a bald headed beauty. He does painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. His phone number is 630-956-1800. If you're planning to get any work done, either inside your house or outside your house, building a new office, redoing your kitchen, all that good stuff, give him a call, avidco.net. And then uh, I also coach guys one-on-one. So if anybody out there is interested for sessions free, go to toddadamscoaching.com. And uh, we will see you guys all next week. Yes, this was, um, did you enjoy this conversation, Todd? I did. We went back to back. So I'm not used to podcasting for two hours, two hours and 30 minutes or whatever it was. But uh, yeah, I thought it was Help me see some things differently, um, even just having a conversation about it. So thank you for listening and have a great week, everybody. Keep trucking. Thanks for listening, everyone. Remember to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And feel free to leave a five-star review on iTunes. It helps people find us. Also subscribe and review our Pop Culturing Podcast, a Gen X viewpoint on movies and TV with an emphasis on personal growth and self-awareness. It's basically the flip side of Zen Parenting Radio. Do you want more Zen Parenting? Check out our third podcast, otherwise known as Team Zen. One of our team members described it as an advice column meets group help meets like-minded community. With your $25 subscription, you get two live Zen Talks with an opportunity to ask us live questions, plus a Facebook community where you can interact or just listen to like-minded parents. If you can't join us live, you can still access all the Zen Talks through the Team Zen podcast app. And don't forget about Tribe Men's Group. We have a virtual community from men all over the world. Head on over to tribemensgroup.org or shoot me an email at todd at zenparentingradio.com. It's an opportunity for guys to come together and talk about what really matters. Finally, I want to give a special thanks to our founding partner, Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald-headed beauty, and the company he has is Avid. They do painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. Go to avidco.net or give him a call at 630-956-1800. Thanks for all your love and support, and keep on trucking.